Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 56. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzama, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. Hello, Christina. And greet, <laughs> greetings, everyone. <laughs> it's a goofy day today, I can tell. <laughs> it is. It's a very goofy day today. I think they're all kind of goofy. Uh, but that's the way it should be. Yeah, there should be a goof to everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of the optimal health. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, goofiness. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman, and I will be your host and guide, along with Christina, as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy, searching for optimal health. <laughs> you know, Christina... Uh, when we do our shows, we allow people to call in and write in with questions. And most of the questions are pertinent to the show and to the guests that we're speaking to. But I get questions from friends of mine or people that view the show that send things directly to me. And one of the questions they always ask me is, who is Christina? What's with Christina? We want to know more about Christina. And so I thought today would be a great day to uh, answer that question for my group of friends and everyone else, all of our global viewers, those that don't know you from uh, Trinity of Life and all of the other work you do. Uh, I think it'd be a great day to uh, find out about Christina Susama. What do you think? Oh, you mean I can't just stay in the background and just be like the moderator of the show today? <laughs> I have oh, to you... moderate myself? <laughs> yeah. That'll be an interesting thing for everyone to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and me included. <laughs> That's right. So if anybody wants to watch Christina moderating or has uh, some kind of a question, maybe they can send in a, an email to... Uh, Ask us something about you? That they can do that. Or if they're watching the show, you can actually scroll down and there's a little comment box uh, uh, at the bottom there of the screen where you can click in your comment or question and click submit and it will come up on my screen. And I'll read it to myself <laughs> today. <laughs> right. I'd like to welcome my very special guest, uh, Christina Susama. Uh, you know, again, as the medical guide, I like to tell our viewers where we're going to go today and in this case i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> that's good glenn <laughs> yeah. so i i think what i'll do is is go back to my own patterns of behavior one of the things i look at as a medical guide and try and uh start from the beginning talk about your life a little bit your beginnings and i really want to focus this specifically in the healing parts of Christina Suzuma. Other people can find out many more things about you on your show, Trinity of Life, and in many other ways with all the things that you do. But I, again, I want to stay within the magical medical tour focus of uh, healers and healing. And I know that's an important part of your life. So we will wind ourselves through an interesting journey today. And let's start with the beginnings. When did you get uh, indications that you were someone interested in healing, uh, 
someone who could be a healer. Give us a little bit of the beginnings. Ooh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, um, long-term memory is the last to go. I'm, I'll be a little more nervous about <laughs> what, what did you do yesterday? Thank you. You've <laughs> saved me again. Right. Um, when did I know that? I, I would say, oh my goodness, before five years old. I was, uh, I didn't, I think at that time, I didn't quite know what it meant to be a healer. Um, of course, you know, five years old, I'm being flooded with everything. Uh, you know, just uh, at that point, immigrating to Canada from Hong Kong and, you know, big lifestyle change, et cetera. But I have to say, <clears throat> I've always, I always loved the human touch. I always loved um, not being cuddled, but cuddling and touching and and I was a very touchy-feely child, so to say, uh, and in a good way. Um, and uh, I, I do believe, um, you know, I would watch things like uh, my father, had, he wasn't a massage therapist, but he did have his certification as a massage therapist. And I, I used mm. to watch him massaging my mother's, you know, neck and things and, and always pushing him out of the way to say, you know, my turn, my turn, I have to do this. And and I just loved feeling the muscles, the tendons, the, the bones, the joints. And yeah. uh, I, I could always remember that sensation. Every time I would touch someone, there were certain parts of the body that, would, that I would be really attracted to, like the neck and the muscles in the neck mm -hmm. or the shoulders and certain areas of the arms. And I couldn't, at that time, of course, understand why. I just, it just felt good. It mm -hmm. felt really good. And it felt good when the, I could feel the muscle relax. It was almost like, you know, kids love pushing buttons, right? Right. <laughs> they love pushing buttons. And every time I pushed on a button, which was a point, now that I'm older and I learned, they were actually pressure points. It, and I could feel it turn on. And that turn on was the melting of that point. It would thrill me to get this reaction as a child from someone's body. And I could remember a long time ago when, my, when my, I was doing that, my mother looked at my father and said, when did you teach her the pressure points? Mm. And he said, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I could remember hearing that, you know, that conversation going on. And I just kept doing what I did. And I, I loved it, just loved it. Um, anything from that to, you know, sitting on my brother's shoulders and drying his hair and it, it, not with a blow dryer, but with a towel and rubbing his head and, you know, for like 10 minutes, that's a long time for a kid. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> right. And then combing it into place. And I just loved being around people's bodies, the hair touching the skin. So I, I, I believe it started really, really early on. When you moved to Canada, uh, how many of you moved? The whole family? The whole family. The whole and, family. And how many were in the family? Uh, there was my parents and there were six children. That's a and lot. Eight of did, us. <laughs> where did you fit into the uh, scenario? Oh, I'm the last one. I'm the runt of the whole, <laughs> of the whole pack. So, you know, one sister. Um, 
who is the second child. And then there were three brothers uh, after her and then myself. So, and then uh, the, the eldest is, uh, is another brother. So six of us. Did any of, of the other siblings go into healing? No, uh-huh. not at all. A nephew, a nephew is now my sister's uh, eldest child. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a nephrologist. Ah, yes. a specialist. Is he in Canada? Yes, he is. He is Maybe we'll have a talk with him one I day. I sure hope so. We're trying to make that happen, aren't we? <laughs> Magical medical tour. Yes. So it's interesting that most kids would like the idea, as you said, to be massaged. You know, Dad, rub my neck. You know, get a little attention here and that. But it seemed like you uh, went in the other direction and you recognized cause and effect uh, right away. You saw that what you were doing had an effect on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you um, continued to do that. Uh, did you add anything to that? Did you start talking to your father about uh Massage therapy as you got older, did you have any influence by other elders or family Mm. members that kept moving you in that direction? You know, Glenn, I I do believe my father's influence was very interesting. He uh, became very ill. He had cardiac issues. And so from a really young age, from about uh, six, seven or eight years old, he was spending great amounts of time in the hospital. And so, uh, again, that sort of honed in my whole, uh, you know, attitude towards caring for someone. And at, for me, it was caring for a loved one, you know. Um, uh, he was, uh, he was uh, quite a stout man at one time. And then slowly as the years went on, you know, he, he was diagnosed uh, one day, you know, after a couple of heart attacks. Then one day he was diagnosed with double pneumonia. And I do believe he was in the hospital. It was almost the whole school year I was in school. So it was uh, quite interesting that, you know, in those days, it was a shared room. So there would be like four gentlemen in his room and um, children under 13 were not allowed to visit. And uh, during the weekdays, it was only supposed to be on the weekends. But because he spent so long in there and I, I... we were very well-behaved children. The nurses began to allow us in any time. <laughs> any time. I think they felt really bad that you know these young kids. You know, their father was was never home. Mm-hmm. So you know, and uh, uh, my father was a very compassionate uh, man. And uh, you know, even after spending his years in a war and a prisoner of war camp in Japan, mm-hmm. um, I. I he came, he was a very compassionate man. And, and I do believe I learned so much just from his whole attitude, his the well-being in his attitude. Um, he would always have, you know, I would always uh, run in and greet all the men that were in the room, climb up on their beds, give them a hug and a kiss. Hello. No matter what they, it didn't matter what they had. <laughs> it was like, I'm just doing this. And, and uh, and it brought such smiles upon their faces, you know, and just being in the room of uh, these individuals trying to find balance um, and spending so many long hours in there. And just to see them smile or laugh made such a difference to me, Glenn, as a child, you know, and we mm. would just laugh. 
we would we would do things and and talk and just laugh and and that would was so much you know that already you know not knowing it at the time but the power of that kind of joy it seems like you had the opportunity to uh, become a scientist then you you were aware of medical problems you liked the body and parts of the body you were in hospitals you were around nurses you were seeing things happen mm-hmm. you had the opportunity to pick science as a direction and become a physician or a nurse or something else you didn't do that was mm-hmm. your direction more towards compassionate part you know it it was uh i you know, that's, uh, I, I would say so. I, I, I know my father would always say you would make such a incredible nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know at some point he himself, uh, wanted to be a doctor because, uh, in the army, um, he actually worked with the medics mm. a lot. So, so, you know, he would teach me how to bandage. He would teach me, you know, how to, how to use a syringe. I mean, <laughs> So, so a lot of these things I, I might've taken after him. I, I don't quite know, uh, but he was a strong influence. And, you know, he said, you know, I would make a great nurse. Uh, the only point at that time that he could uh, see, I wanted to be a police officer. <laughs> can you, you can believe that I wanted to be a police officer. I can see that yeah. now, but maybe not then. <laughs> You know, I really wanted to do that, you know, um, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the right from wrong that was very strong in me as a child. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a police officer. And, and then, but I also had this other side, which I, I would have loved to be a nurse. I would love to care for people and take care because the nurses that were around him were so magnificent. They were compassionate. They were loving. They you know, they had so much grace about them and they inspired me. So, you know, I had <laughs> this whole side that I wanted to be a, 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 a police officer, this whole other side that I wanted to be a nurse and, but never a doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know what it was. It was ne- not, never a doctor. I wanted to work with all, not just one specific area. You mean like a specialist, if you were a pediatrician or an orthopedic surgeon, you didn't, you wanted everything. I wanted everything. So at this point, uh, your dad's in the hospital and uh, you're about how old? 13, 14, something oh, no. like that? No, 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 no. I was, uh, um, I do believe the last time he was in the hospital, I was about 10 years old. Oh. Yes. Yes. I was about 10 years old. And uh, I do believe uh, shortly after my 11th birthday, he actually had a massive heart attack that, uh, and he passed away from it. So you were 11 when you lost your dad. Yes. Did that influence you in any way in terms of uh, being 11 years old and and seeing how medicine was so good and yet it in a way it seemed to fail you? Well, you know, I had my big doubts about medicine at the time, uh, mm-hmm. Glenn, <clears throat> because, you know, my father had a heart issue. And uh, <clears throat> let's see. He had a heart issue, and I understood that very clearly, of course. Um, and what I didn't understand, Glenn, was, you know, because of his heart issue, he would go in to be checked and monitored all the time. And what I couldn't understand is how the doctors didn't catch the pneumonia. 
mm-hmm. that went into his lungs. And even at that age, because I was a very sickly child, I was so I would miss half fifty percent of a school year. I had allergies. I would get everything under the sun. I would have ear infections. I would have mono. I would have staph infections. I, I mean, I was just this walking medicine cabinet <laughs> myself with three or four inhalers. I mean, it was pretty nasty. So, so I was very familiar with doctors. I, they would even send me in at eight years old alone, and I'd wow. know how to talk to the doctor. <laughs> wow. So you Scary. felt comfortable in that world. Yes. When you were when you had all these sicknesses, you were on Western medications yes. and things like that. Now, yes. did was there any influence of any other types of healing arts that were uh, brought into the equation for you by your family or relatives? Was it or was it strictly oh. Western medicine? It, no, we had uh, some Chinese herbs. We had some Chinese herbs, some, you know, Chinese, uh, yeah, it's mainly herbal medicine. Um, all the way to holy water, if you can believe that, um, uh, because we were raised Roman Catholic Mm. and there were some points in time that I would, was just not getting better. So my father who was in Rome at one point and who went to, uh, the, this, uh, area called Lourdes, uh, and brought back the holy water from this area that, uh, the blessed Virgin was supposed to have been seen and sighted. And there was a, a beautiful spring there, and people would come and get this water from this spring, and it was supposed to be very highly blessed, and uh, miracles would happen from it. Well, everything from herbs to not a lot of herbs, I would say. We 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 mainly did most mostly Western medicine, antibiotics, mm-hmm. a lot of ha- antibiotics, cod liver oil, things like that. Um, but yeah, all the way to the times when I was just not getting better, like three bouts of antibiotics later, and I'm still not well, mm. um, that and adult dosage, I mean, li- double dose. <clears throat> so if you can imagine penicillin, I mean, I can't imagine even today what was going on with my, with, uh, the way they medicated me. If you can imagine doubling the capsules. <laughs> I can actually, it, it, it was like, ah. Uh, um, so I, it was hard, uh, uh, on my parents that I wasn't always, uh, back up to par and the minute that think, think I would, I would fall back into being sick again in some way. Um, you know, <clears throat> blessed be, it wasn't anything like cancer or leukemia or anything like that. Um, but so I had my bout of doctors myself mm-hmm. and I think from that point and then knowing that they'd missed the pneumonia in my father's lungs that put him out in the hospital for about eight to 10 months. I think that, that sort of made, um, put a little bit of, um, doubt, you know, in my mind somewhere as a child, like I would say, why, why, why didn't they hear that? Why did, why couldn't they detect that? Mm -hmm. And then after he passed away a year later, I got pneumonia. Almost exactly a year, a year to the date that he had passed away, I came down with pneumonia and ended up in the hospital, which scared the living daylights out of my mother, of course. He <laughs> was like, yeah. no, not again. You know? right. How about you? Did it scare you? I mean, your no, influence, your knowledge. It actually knowledge made of- me really angry with Western medicine huh. because okay. 
they were able to find the pneumonia so quickly in my body. Mm. And it was in isolated, like sort of in one area. My father, when they found it, he had pneumonia in both lungs. Mm-hmm. So as a child, it was like, why couldn't they detect this when he was going in for his thorough checkups? They're listening to his check the chest and doing blood tests. Why couldn't they detect it? With me, it was detected so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was popped in the hospital, right, for the, a week. So, so then, even deeper, I, had, I started to disassociate myself with Western medicine because I wasn't getting better. Did you have influences from your dad in terms of now, let's not talk about healing, but in mm-hmm. terms of being healthy? Was your dad a healthy person? Uh, did you see... Uh, a healthy person getting sick, or did you see a sick person getting sick, and therefore the importance of being healthy took on uh, more meaning? Um, well, a healthy person getting sick. He was healthy. Yes, yes. Okay. As far as I knew at the time, mm-hmm. as far as I knew at the time, um, and it was mainly because of his heart. I have to say, you know, the diet, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, high blood pressure. The diet had uh, higher cholesterol. Because you know the Portuguese side of the diet, which was you know the the pork and the right. <laughs> the stew, is right. the very hearty foods. Hearty you know, food. very hearty foods. Um, Heartless, but hearty. Heartless, exactly. So he had to cut back on all that, and you know, in those days, I mean, this is like almost like forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 were just talking about open heart surgery. They were just talking about all that. Uh, you had, it was a long lineup and he was in line for open heart surgery. Uh, his body just couldn't hold out that long. Um, so, you know, the diets and things like that, that was all being implemented at that time, you know, the, the changes and, and he did, he changed his diet, cut back on all his sodium. And I remember tasting it food going yuck. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so that was, uh, but he always kept a really good attitude, at least in front of me, he did. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So let's get into, uh, the teen years and the young adult years. Did you have a direction at that time? Uh, I, I would say my direction was, um, if I can't get better and out of this, then there's no point in living. That was, mm. that was a very strong attitude I have. Like I, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel now. This is too much. Um, it almost seemed it was easier that he died and it was almost easier to die than to live going through Mm. all this. Um, you know, uh, so, uh, the things that I weren't allowed to do, like run and jump and things like that, you know, I would be held back because of my asthma from phys ed and, you know, a lot of those things. Um, I sort of, I, I, I just threw the towel in and I said, too bad. I'm going to start doing these things. My body is so weak. You know, I am so weak. And what, what do I have to lose? You know, I'm 13 years old. I watch all my other friends go out and play and blah, blah, blah. I need to do the same. So was, after, there, anyone, was there anyone that influenced you and, and helped you and supported you in that process? You know, most of the time, a person that's very weak, someone would say, no, rest, rest, rest. Oh, always. That's all I heard. Right. All my life, rest, you know, don't eat oranges because they'll make you cough. The, you know, the citrus will make you cough and don't do this and don't do that. That's all I heard. And hence, as a child, I, I, I was done. <laughs> so did his, anyone his influence you? His death was my tipping point. His death did... was my tipping point, basically. Yeah. 
So did anyone influence you to, yes, I think you should go out and run a little bit, push yourself, do that like you were wanting to do. Did you have anyone supporting you in that process? Not that I can remember. Okay. Not that I can remember because, of course, it was the fear that I would get worse. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. And understandably so from my siblings to my mom and my mom's already lost someone. Why would she want, you know, that's why right. when I came down with pneumonia the year later, it was like, ah, you know? Um, so I just, I just, you know, as I said, uh, did everything I could that I've always wanted to do. I started eating things that I was not allowed to eat. I started and the fruit, oh my gosh, you know, I would eat a dozen oranges in one sitting. That's how <laughs> deprived I felt. And I, I always had strong appetite. I mean, uh, so that was never a problem. And interestingly enough, when I started running, I started long distance running. I started, you know, and I would have one inhaler before. I would have one inhaler during. I would have another inhaler after, you know, that would take my lungs into different stages so that I could handle, you know, what I was taking in and et cetera. It was hilarious. I would pack four inhalers to school with me every day. Wow. So I started running and that strengthened my lungs. And, you know, I started eating the things that I wasn't supposed to, like fruit and oranges and just going for the gamut. And that made it so that you were getting feedback from yourself that your own intuitive process uh, toward healing was working. Yes, very much so. Okay. And, uh, so did you have a career choice at this point? Uh, are you still putting on the gun and holster and uniform or had you thought of something else? Well, no, the, the, the gun and the holster by, by the age of 13, I had to really pack that away <laughs> <laughs> because I had a very strong sense of right and wrong. And, um, and someone, uh, Somewhat, my, my father, before he died, he, he even said to me, ah, police officer, and he said to me, what if you saw, you know, someone being hurt by another person? Like if someone was wielding a knife and that individual stabbed the other one, what would you do? And I reacted by saying, I'd shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> At that point, my father said, see, I don't think you should be a police officer. Uh, Uh, Doing Trinity of life. There you go. (laughs) This does not connect. It doesn't connect. But but he really, you know, that was his way of showing me, you know, until I could change that, that thought or that pattern, it wouldn't really be the... the the right path choice for me (laughs) or or us right (laughs) so so hence uh, you know the 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 police officer went out the window and um more so into the healing arts and the more i got better and healthier um you know i wasn't much into reading about fiction you know novels and things like that oh just at that age and even now it's 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 better now but but for me oh that's fiction Mm. I'm not interested. If you gave me a book on mechanics, like how to fix a car or a motorcycle, I would just read it from front to back and I would do all my own oil changes and everything. If it was uh, healing someone like, like, uh, you know, uh, from a sports injury, where to massage, how to bandage it up. I was there. 
I was there. I was there at, you know, my, at, uh, my boyfriend's, uh, was very athletic at the time. And, you know, he would be on baseball teams, soccer teams, and I would be the medic on the side <laughs> with the ice packs, the bandages for the sprains. I would be there massaging, you know, <laughs> and, you know, with the, with the ice and, and the whole bit, I, I just loved it. That was my place. Oh, that's great. But I want to take a quick aside right now. You alluded to uh, reading about uh, changing oil and you mentioned a motorcycle. Oh, yes. Do you ever ride a motorcycle? Oh, yes. That was my love. Really? Yes. Yes. How old were you? How long? What kind of motorcycle for, for the other people that for are the listening? other people who, who, who want to know my crazy side. No, um, uh, uh, I was 15 and uh, my the brother that's one above me who is about five years older than me he 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 really wanted to ride a motorcycle and uh of course the whole family was against it and and very upset at that <clears throat> that he would risk his life on the back of a motorcycle etc and long story short he one day made me a bet when i was 15 years old and uh, i lost and the bet was that i would sit on the back of his motorcycle and he would take me for a ride and I was 15, I got on the back of his motorcycle and, you know, being in Vancouver, Canada and on the North shore of there, there is the most incredible coastline, mm. gorgeous, just right. gorgeous. <clears throat> and he took me on that coastline and it was sunset. And of course they say, you know, Vancouver, BC has some of the most gorgeous sunsets in the world. Even the Maoris have a dance just about, <laughs> the Maoris from New Zealand have a dance dedicated to the sunset off of the Pacific Northwest. Oh, interesting. Gorgeous. And uh, he took me on the back of that bike, and I don't think I could have closed. I, I didn't shut my jaw once for a moment <laughs> until we reached, you know, an area called Horseshoe Bay, which that's where the ferries come in and out, and they dock in and out uh, going over to Vancouver Island. And we sat to have a cup of coffee or something, and he looked at me and said, well, and I, I had tears in my eyes. It was so beautiful. And uh, I said, that's the most amazing thing I've ever done. And of course, I don't, my rest of my family really had him to thank. He <laughs> <It> was <laughs> like, oh, no. So from that point on, um, you know, the first license I got was a motorcycle license. And he already started teaching me. We, you know, had a, we had to go for the certification courses to, for safety um, to make it difficult on he and I, the family imposed restrictions of full leathers, uh, the, the best helmet that money could buy. So it was actually more expensive for he and I to be riding motorcycles than it was to buy a secondhand car. What kind of bike did you have? Uh, I actually bought his bike, which is an uh, Yamaha RD400. It was two-stroke, which I still have today. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. everybody wants to buy it but i'm not willing to give it up yet <laughs> well there's still that police officer in you a little bit maybe there maybe <laughs> just maybe just maybe so you know i i was just uh telling my family it's time to go for another safety safety certification so i can ride again <laughs> all right i want to keep moving on uh into christina's life yes. about um health and healing and education. Mm -hmm. uh, you, when you and I met, you were doing um, 
a program, an international internet global program on health and healing. When did you get interested in that? And tell us how that happened, how that started. Well, that that was, uh, okay, what you're referring to, Glenn, is Yoga Hub's uh, the first virtual world yoga meditation conference, um, which started in 2010. And that is the first time we met um, our wonderful uh, teacher and mentor, Dr. Mikio Sanki, I do believe introduced the two of us together. Correct. And uh, whom we We will will be be interviewing interviewing in June. (laughs) I think think in July. In July. Wonderful. Hmm? On esoteric acupuncture and wellness. And um, so the way that came up and how really that was uh, uh, Yoga Hub was formed was because through the years, as I got more, you know, from that 13 year old and and pushing through and feeling better and actually listening to my body and and going into the other at that time would be called alternative healing arts, such as more into the Chinese medicine, more into the acupuncture. Again, my through line of loving to work on people's bodies took me to uh, wanting to become or learn about massage therapy, which was at that time in Canada, a two-year course. Mm. And I wasn't willing to dedicate two years for massage therapy. I knew that somewhere inside, I didn't want to just do that for the rest of my life. So instead, um, being at that time a licensed cosmetologist, an wow. esthetician and cosmetologist. I wanted already, so I was working with the whole body, from the head um, to the physical body. I was already working, you know, with men and women, you know, making them look good and feel better on a certain level. Mm-hmm. From that point, uh, because I wanted to hone in the massage side, instead of taking the two-year certified course, I actually um, at eighteen went to Japan because I loved the Japanese uh, techniques in aesthetics. And um, I had read about shiatsu Mm. and the power of shiatsu and Reiki. You see, those were all my books. (laughs) And so I just hopped on a plane with an acquaintance of mine uh, who was a businessman doing business in Japan. and, And just out of the blue, I just hopped on a plane and went to Japan he introduced me to his uh, translator, and from that point, I stayed in Japan for about five months. And uh, from one thing led to the other. I had private courses, uh, private week-long courses in Swedish massage, in uh, shiatsu, in reiki, and also in aesthetics. And it was a tremendous time. Because it was so powerful. One, I couldn't speak the language. I always had to have a translator beside me. Um, And then as I got more and more in tune and certain instructors would introduce me to other instructors in other schools, then I would just watch and learn from watching. And the techniques were magnificent. I mean, the Japanese were so ahead in the way their computers analyzed the body, you know, just for aesthetic reasons. It was amazing. And from that point, um, I traveled from Japan to Taiwan to um, see their healing arts in acupuncture and herbal medicine. And from Taiwan, I went to Hong Kong. And because that was where I was born and and, uh, and 
raised for the first few years of my life. I wanted to go back there and also uh, experience that level of acupuncture in Hong Kong and that herbal medicine there. So I kind of traveled for a little bit for about a year or so and just trying to feel out what and what areas I might want to go into. And uh, the time in Japan was my most powerful because there was such an influence with energetic work and uh, uh, their techniques in acupuncture were so different in each country for me that I, I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. I still couldn't decide. All I knew was I loved the whole area of healing arts. And then when I, you know, fast forwarding, I came here and um, delved more and more into, you know, the different forms of aromatherapy, uh, of light therapy, of um, uh, just balancing food, uh, all these simple, simple yet you know, um, yet really powerful forms depending on where a person was at and depending on where I was at because I wanted to continue practicing on myself as I went along. And these different mentors for different forms of body work, like the Javanese uh, styles and the Hawaiian styles, you know, based on the Hawaiian martial arts, Lua, um, the Chinese... uh, um, Tita forms, which is like a, a very old form that a lot of the martial artists would use. So much of the healing arts I found in this world and from indigenous cultures comes from uh, the martial arts, which is magnificent. So it's like a martial healing arts, you know. And I, I was so immersed then, I couldn't, I, I still to this day cannot choose a specific direction. I love it all. <laughs> So part of it was as I was learning from these people, these mentors, and, you know, in, in those areas of these, some of these indigenous cultures, there is no certification. It just is. It's just, just is. centuries of, of uh, art being passed down through story, through talk story, as they say in Hawaiian, it's talk story. You know, that's how you learn and doing. It's, it's story and doing and practice. Well, see one, do one, teach one. That wonderful circle of life, right? <laughs> that wonderful <laughs> circle of healing arts. So, so from that point, it was like, well, how do we share all these different sorts of information with more people? Because every time I'd sit with someone, I'd go, oh, how come I didn't know about this? How come, you know, it took so long for me to get here and find you? And from that point, it was like, how do I build a source or how do I build something that Instead of working just with individuals, how do we work with the world? How do we work with people who are looking for, as I am always looking? So it came down to, well, while I'm learning, why can't others learn with me at the same time? And hence, the creation and the vision of Yoga Hub. And you continue to do that. You you had uh, three years of the... Uh, <clears throat> of the uh, conference with many people, healers from around the world, energy healers, meditators, uh, teachers uh, in different uh, phases of healing. And you mentioned things like acupuncture and there's so many shamanic medicines and chiropractic now and naturopathy and homeopathy. All of these uh, are going to be areas that we look at on this show and combined with your show and Anatara's show uh 
all of these different arts are going to be brought up. And that's part of what you want to do. You want to bring all of this education and information to people uh, so that they can make their choices in terms of, of what they want to do about healing and what fits for them. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, as, um, as the years have gone by and the more I look, I, uh, the more I've experienced and all the different paths that I've taken and, uh, ventured into not at not one specific time does one form continue to work it for seems myself. To go, yeah. It seems to go exactly what you, uh, picked up when you were very young, where you said, I like all of this. I don't want just part of this. Mm-hmm. And your love for all of this is to bring it in and then to give it out very unselfishly to uh, the rest of the planet. Uh, I wanted to ask you as we move forward, uh, we always talk about many of the healing arts have to do with energy work. Mm. Uh, did you ever feel the energy or when did you start feeling that you had an ability to tune into energy? Oh, when I think back, uh, Glenn, I, I mean, I didn't know how to verbalize it, but I do believe that three-year-old was uh, already knew because um, the love of, uh, of feeling that muscle or that tension release out of someone's body Mm-hmm. That is the energy, you know, shifting in someone's body. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, those were the wonderful bright buttons that I was pressing as a child. So from that point, I mean, uh, um, I, I began to recognize that, especially when I was doing work in Japan with the Shiatsu masters. Um, it, it was so, because that with them, it's all pressure points. <laughs> it's pressure points. And that feeling of, you know, touching those points so directly um, and gently at times, very much so um, as in the form that Dr. Mikio Sankey does with his esoteric acupuncture. The, he the doesn't needles, call it that anymore, by the way. He doesn't call it esoteric acupuncture? Uh-oh. No. What does he call it now? <laughs> I'm, I'm missing something. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce that. Oh, wonderful. In July. But oh, continue. wonderful. Um, but you know the the uh realizing that it's not about the physical pressure but but just the connection within those points were so powerful and as I developed and working with uh the different forms of body work, I call it um, the the individual's uh body to when when connected. Uh, a certain uh, specific way with you know through massage and the body work and how the the body begins to shift and transform it's it's all energetic it's all energetic how you know that my <clears throat> i can feel at such great levels on what is moving around it's it's beautiful it's beautiful mm-hmm. or or when certain oils are used um you know very pure pure essential oils how that speaks to a person's body, how that speaks to their senses, um, and how it shifts. And, and you can literally see it physically um, mm-hmm. on their faces. Um, 
how their body begins to open up just by using sometimes one essential oil. And sometimes you don't even need to put it on the individual's body, but have them smell it. Mm. Aromatherapy. Aromatherapy. The power of that, of a scent. Yes. Magnificent. And light therapy. You know, the light therapy. I love light therapy too. (laughs) Now, do you work, do you work with people Uh, aside? I mean, on many of our talks, uh, on the show, you've brought up little things that you mentioned. You say, I'm going to get out the pendulum or I'm going to get out a wand or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's magic. No. <laughs> magic. Tell us about the magic of Christina. Uh, I don't think it's the uh, magic of Christina, Glenn. I, I, I do believe we, we, we're all made of out of energy. And I, I do believe that we are all um, just energetic beings. And it's, it's how we would, would like to become aware of, of what our own abilities. Um, I, I do believe that we have an innate, uh, you know, as we speak to a lot of the, the doctors that you've interviewed and how so many of them have said, you know, the human body um, protects itself. I mean, it, it, it is always on guard and it always is there to protect itself. It's there to find its balance and perfection. We need to trust it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's all part of it. It's just reconnecting with that. And, and really, such a big part, Glenn, is creating that awareness in the individual. The confidence. It's, it seems like uh, what you were trying to do with the conferences and now we you moved away from the conferences at least for the moment into a magical medical tour and trinity of life and flowing into awareness and uh, growing you, even more shows soon right and growing even <laughs> yes. more shows i was going to yes. say that you're always about growth and bringing more education and more wisdom and more uh of the arts and sciences to our global audience you go to a lot of uh, conferences and you're at different shows, uh, always interviewing people. What's what's new out there that you're looking at that you haven't seen before? Is there anything out there new? You know, for me, there is so much that is new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of these forms... Uh, for example, I, I, I heard recently about a gentleman that does his acupuncture with feathers or that form of energy work with feathers. Mm. And it's supposed to be another very old ancient art form. That's new for me. Mm. Um, and, uh, for example, uh, Dr. David Coombs, your colleague, who does healing arts through the rolling of bones. Yes, he's a urologist and a sangoma, uh, yes. a medicine man from Africa. I mean, how that's new to me. You do, do you know? I mean, so but it's all old. It's it's ancient. <laughs> it's ancient and and for me is why haven't we heard of this? Why haven't we heard of these different forms that will help us? Now, every individual out there, you know, it it is if we can give individuals the awareness that these exist, some of these things are, whether it just be um, curious, I'd like to give this a try, mm-hmm. or, um, or it actually speaks to you. 
Like the first time I held ocean essences in my hand, my whole body shook and I cried profusely. I couldn't stop. I was crying. I don't know what ocean essences are. You you see, I mean, you see that that's new to you. I mean, and these are ancient. And, and, uh, you know, um, uh, when I held those, Glenn, I shook, I cried. I cried to the point where I was hyperventilating. Hmm. I didn't know why. And I couldn't stop it until it was done. Describe it to me. What is ocean essences? I mean, I have a picture, but I'm not sure that's it. Um, ocean essences, um, is uh, they they were co-created by Ilan O'Brien, who is part of our faculty from you know the uh, yoga uh, and meditation conference. Uh, yet I had worked with her quite a few years before you know she uh, she came on our show. Um, it's um, uh, you know in part of the mes- metaphysics world, um, and it was uh, co-created. She says with the energy of the whales. Uh, when she used to scuba dive quite often. <laughs> and uh, uh, she was um, guided to take the essences from certain plants in the ocean. Mm, okay. Okay. And from that point, you know, create these essences. They're so pure and so powerful. Uh, she has essences from Peru. She has essences from uh, Hawaii, from Pearl Harbor. She has, uh, uh, as, uh, I mean, some of the locations that she's gotten these essences from or the, the base for the essences of these plants are all over the world. And they are very, very specific for what an individual is doing or going through. We even just received a, a, a comment um, in uh, Yoga Hub uh, about the essences and about how powerful and about how this couple um, you know, really help them and, you know, for the time that they needed it and now they need it again. You know, that's what we're saying is about creating the awareness of when you, when you need to do whatever you need to do to create that optimal health. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever come across someone that wanted to be interviewed by you or be on your, one of your programs or in one of your conferences and you felt that this was not real? Uh, yes, yes. I, I wouldn't say um, not real. I would just say the timing wasn't right. Um, okay. I, I believe that there's a time for everything and there's always a flow. And when the flow comes naturally, there, you know, there, there's, a, there's a breath with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are times where we've run into situations or I have run into situations where someone might like to be interviewed, but but the it, it's not fluid. There, there is um, uh, some some items that would need to be worked out uh, that to bring it up to to that point where it, there's an ease. Because because you know when I, my sense is when when people are dealing with any kind of imbalance in their life, whether it be physical or mental or spiritual, um, the the people that they may learn from or may help them create an awareness. Um, it's like the information also needs to flow. Like but, energy. Like energy. So if, if the individual is not ready to share it in a fluid manner, 
it is hard for others to receive in that fluid manner. So then oh, it's like, answer. let's, let's, uh, let's wait just a little while until everything rebalances and then, then it'll be time possibly. <laughs> so you've had, you've had many stages of your life, uh, starting from three and five and then 11 and then in your teens and early adulthood, and then picking up with yoga and meditation conference. And, and now with the programs that we're doing, do you see another phase in the future? Um, I, I would, I would say at this point with the growth of YHTV, Mm -hmm. uh, with the growth of YHTV and when that finds its balance, of course, because this is like a whole new world and, and, uh, the, the way that we would do a conference, um, my vision would be to collaborate with you know, organizations uh, who are the edu- large or- educational organizations to bring their educational world online uh, and to collaborate with them as such. So that is huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge step uh, to still continue our shows. Um, you know, we, we are not, as, as uh, many of our viewers know, um, it is, this is not Hollywood style at all. And that is, you know, I have come from the entertainment industry. I know that style. Um, but it, this isn't. This is about, you know, getting down and dirty and primal. This is bottom line. Here's the information. There's no glitz involved. There's none of that. Um, and it's raw. It's raw so that people can approach it on that level as well and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the whole collaboration, my wish would be to be able to collaborate and assist and support educational entities, you know, such as like Eslin and, you know, Kripalu, whom, you know, we, we, we collaborate with and, you know, other entities as such so that we can continue to bring more and more education into the world, more and more creating more and more awareness and consciousness and globally. And, and when I say globally, uh, Glenn, part of this whole vision, which we haven't fully touched upon yet, is to be able to have shows in different languages, to be able to have our shows um, uh, uh, translated into different languages, to reach out to other countries, and really hopefully not leaving anyone behind. Nice. I like that. We've been speaking with uh, the innovator, the creator, and the highly conscious a uh, person, Christina Susan Ma, who has been the founder of uh, Yoga and Meditation Conferences and Yoga Hub TV, uh, a new platform to to teach and educate and bring wisdom to people. And as I always do on my show, Christina, I always ask our special guest for a health tip unique to you that you would like to share with us. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you would like to... Uh, Give us something today. Mm. Mm, my, that was, that was a good question. Isn't that funny? Anytime it's turned back on us, we kind of go, hmm, which one? <laughs> which one? Um, I, I would say the, the most important piece for me uh, towards good health or to keeping that balance is, is, As simple, Glenn, 
as smiling. Smiling each day from within. Um, and allowing it to come out. And it, to me, it's got to be simple for everyone. Because then it's not like you're working hard. Hopefully, you're not working hard to smile. <laughs> um, you know, really feeling that moment of joy inside our hearts, being grateful for what we have. Um, you know, we, we hear of these things happening all around the world, uh, yesterday in Boston, you know, with the bombs going off, how can we not be grateful? How can I not be grateful today, waking up in bright sunshine, watching the winds blow, you know, the leaves and that smile that just that one little thing, even if it's once or twice a day, but to be really conscious to smile. And when you smile and gift it to someone else mm. and bring, it's infectious. It can be infectious. And, and even if you can see someone who is, I, this is my challenge all the time, is like if I see someone in the street that, that's looking down or, or whatever, like not, not having a good day, I purposely, purposely smile and say, good day to you. Mm. And the reactions, whether it be a homeless person or uh, an individual that looks like they're having a rough day, not once have I gotten anything but a, anything else but a smile back. Beautiful. And I love the idea of it being a gift, also gifting it to someone. That's fantastic. Gifting forward. And it's so Gifting. easy. It is easy. It's so it easy. should be. Yes. It should be. So we've spent uh, almost an hour chatting uh, <laughs> about uh, the things that you are and the things that you do. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you would like to make sure that uh, our audience knows either about you or about the things that you do and Yoga Hub, uh, the future, anything? Well, I, I mean, yes, I, I think I'd like to say that, I mean, the Yoga Hub couldn't exist without individuals like you, Glenn. You know, you have become such a huge part of our Yoga Hub family. And all the, the individuals out there, all the way from the Yoga Hub team, uh, who keeps everything running, um, all the way to uh, the, our participants and people who are listening to our shows, Really, this is for all of us. This is not for me. This is not just, this is just my vision. But mm -hmm. my vision is really about bringing the village and the villages of the world together. And everyone who is an ex expert in whatever they do, bring it in, bring it in and let us co-create together something to support each other. You know, it's th that has been my dream is is you know we are all here i couldn't exist yoga hub couldn't exist without all of you and 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 hopefully what we have created in yoga hub you know this platform of health and wellness and education um which hopefully it is it will continue to serve um the global communities and and hopefully we can grow it to be able to to do even more than just the shows. Hopefully it will, it will come to a point where we're even able to get out into the communities and, and, you know, and connect directly 
you know, that's what we do at some certain events, but like really creating a, hopefully a group one day of volunteers to be able to help different and support other organizations out there as well who are doing good. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there doing really good work. Yes. Uh, And as you uh, said in uh, one of our last interviews, I think it was uh, two interviews ago with Marilyn Tam, one Mm. of her books, uh, living the life of your dreams. I think you are uh, a manifestation of that. You, eventually have your dreams and you're living that life. And fortunately for the rest of the planet, the dream is to help humanity. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. And I would like to thank Christina now for sharing her wisdom and expertise with our global audience, uh, giving us great, um, great power to move forward in our own healing journeys. I would like to thank my healers and teachers for helping me uh, to continue on my journey. And I guess I, I should thank you as the co-host. <laughs> thank you, Christina, for co-hosting on your, on your journey. <laughs> it's kind of fun to do this. Uh, we may have to do this more often. Uh, but until next uh, week, when we search another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy, I would like to say goodbye. Thank you again, Christina, and wish all of our Uh, audience, optimal health. Thank you so much, Glenn, for co-hosting this show. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. (laughs) And of course, uh, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us on this new platform of education and information. We are always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.30 Eastern Time. Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And of course, you can always connect with uh, Dr. Glenn Woolman at myyogahub.com forward slash gwoolman or follow him on Twitter at Glenn Woolman. And of course, directly through his own website, glennwillman.com, where we do suggest you learn about his metaphor square breath. Until we all meet again, namaste. Namaste.